Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of In The Clock End, which is an Arsenal podcast, which is usually hosted by our wonderful host, Steve. Steve's unfortunately busy, otherwise occupies organising his matchday programmes and catalogues from years gone by, one of his favourite hobbies. But you'll be hosted by myself, Kelvin, who is always here with Steve. And we are once again joined on the podcast uh, by Liam. Liam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's good. Uh, football's been back over in the Netherlands. My week's been entirely soaked up with football. And I'm mostly loving it. Mostly. I mean, mostly. I know we've spoken about this 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 off air before. I know you're you know you love to coach the football. You say it's mostly fun, so that just leads me to one question and one question only: um, What age group? Uh, it's well, it's an adult team, uh, but it's mostly made up of international students. So those who might listen regularly know uh, I live over in the Netherlands, but I'm British. Mm-hmm. Um, so the city I live in is full of international students. So to make it easier, I joined an international student team. So it's sure. mostly sort of 19, 20 year olds, but we compete against adults any age. And you in a, you in a league or anything? Or is it kind of like yeah. friendlies or? No, it's an organized league. Uh, I also play in goal for the team and I now coach it. So, uh, but we, it's a proper sort of league format. Um, don't ask me how they do all the rankings and stuff because it goes well over my head. <laughs> But yeah, it's all, it's all proper competition organised by the KNVB, uh, the, the FA over here. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's all proper. Yeah, sounds good. And a great way to kind of get to know people. Look, also, mm. regular listeners will know I'm originally from the UK, but also left. So we've got something in common there. Um, <laughs> it's one of the greatest. Football is just the greatest sport, or any sport really, I think. But football is just it's universal. It's worldwide. We all speak the language on the pitch the same. Um and you get to just know people so quickly, so well, uh, by just mm-hmm. simply turning up and kicking a ball of air around. Um, it's, it's so simple when you think about it, but it's also just so, so incredibly powerful. Um, I think that's something that, you know, we've both benefited from uh, since moving away from the UK, for sure. Definitely. It serves as a bit of an icebreaker, I guess, doesn't it? Uh, especially, yeah. I guess, maybe, you know, as an expat, when you start talking to people, you go, do you like football? Yes, I love yeah. football. Oh, great. Who's your tip? And you just... It works as a great icebreaker, exactly like you say, make uh, make friendships. It's funny you say that because obviously icebreakers is something I have to use quite a lot in my day to day in in what I do for work. And you know, one of the first questions I ask, definitely blokes, and I know that sounds probably a little bit sexist on my part. I should probably start asking women too. Uh, but I always just say, you know, you know, what team do you support? Or because you have to be quite generic with these things, I say, do you follow any sports? And then there's nothing worse. Honestly, when so, and it does happen not that frequently, thank God. But people turn around and go, I, I just have no interest in sport. I, I'm gone at that point. I don't, I don't really know what else to bring to the table than talk to you to break the ice than talking about sports, especially through the COVID world that we live in right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, football's our speciality, but I guess everyone has an interest, be it rugby, be it tennis, or Americans like baseball or, uh, or basketball. Like, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of sports, a big world in it. In it. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. It's great stuff. For some, reason, for some reason, we're cursed by loving football and specifically Arsenal, but there you go. Uh, cursed, yeah. It was a blessing <laughs> for the first half of my life. I can't deny it. Um, Likewise, so you, to be fair, but doesn't feel yeah. that way now. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, but that's funny, isn't it? You know, just before we, we jumped on, like I'm a good bit older than yourself and I would have witnessed a lot more greatness 
um, sure. than than you. And it's funny that you know I, I think there's a lot of people in my age bracket who, you know, probably just about remember the tail end of you know that early '90s boring, boring Arsenal side and George Graham getting the sack, and then it was, you know, we got Arsene Wenger coming into Arsenal Football Club. But, actually probably the Premier League. It just changed the game and it was so exciting to be around the club at that time and look fast forward a few years and it's not so exciting. It's interesting. I don't think the interest will ever die. Uh, but what, like, what, like, I know, I know we'll, we'll come on to the game in a minute, listeners, don't panic, but, you know, what was one of your earliest memories of, of watching Arsenal? How, how did it kind of come about for you? Um, I guess it probably is. So I come from, a big footballing family from both my mum and my dad's side. So mm. my mum's side of the family are big West Ham supporters. They come from Essex, South End. It's quite a big following of West Ham over there. Uh, and my, uh, from my dad's side, my grandparents actually come from North London and they're Arsenal supporters. And their grandparents come from South London, uh, obviously where we used to be based before we jumped up North and pissed mm. off Tottenham. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, so it just so happened that as I was getting into football, and this is post Invincibles era, I don't really remember Invincible stuff. I was That's only what I six, mean. seven at the time. Um, but it was an Arsenal versus West Ham game. And as I was getting into football, didn't know who I wanted to support. I went, all right, fuck it. Whoever wins this game is the team I support. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal won the game. I can't remember. I couldn't tell you the score, who played, anything of that nature. Just remember it was Arsenal who won it. And um, there we go. That's where we went from there. Well, look, it's cool, isn't it? We've all got these little backstories of how we come to support the Arsenal or, or any club, to be honest with you. And that, that's one of the more interesting ones. I like your approach. Purely just glory hunted on the day and went from there. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm down with that. I didn't really yeah. have a choice. Um, I was just dragged to football as a kid. My old man was an Arsenal fan and that was how it was going to be for me. Unless you revolted, which my brother did. Um what an arsehole he is uh, for doing that. Because it's one of the, you know, it's one of the unwritten rules of being a football fan. You do not change who you support. I don't care how old you are. I think he was about 10, maybe 10 or 11, but still, no, don't do it. He went glory supporting. He went to go in, he went to go and support that um, exciting Newcastle United side of Kevin Keegan. Again, you will not remember any of this. Um, they, they were very good for a couple of years uh, and they've been shit ever since. So worked out well for yeah, me. I mean- not yeah, so I mean, I do know about what I know about the past, you know. I know about, you know, I've I've seen the highlights of the Invincible stuff and I've seen yeah, lots yeah. of Kevin Keegan and Alan Shearer and Chris yeah. Sutton and all that. I know about it. I just didn't see it live. That's the difference. <laughs> it's funny, though, because, you you know, I always wonder, you know, my dad's from a different era and you always hear the older generation talking about, you know, your Charlie Georges, your Pat, you know, all the, all the classic lads. Brady, yeah. Brady, yeah, there's, you know, there's so many. Um, and again, you know, I can appreciate it. You know, I've seen it on TV, but I didn't live through it. So it doesn't, it doesn't hit home as much, even though I just appreciate it. It's a, it's a massive part of the history of our club. But Yeah, uh, I kind of smile at it, but I don't, I, I always smile when I see the Invincibles. I'm incredibly proud and I get goosebumps every time I watch like the documentary and things mm-hmm. like that. But, and I mm-hmm. smile and I love it and it's brilliant. But yeah. never in quite enjoyed it the same way as going through it. You know, like no, it took me a that's... long time to know. Yeah, like I knew Arsenal's big history of winning trophies, but it took me years. It didn't take it took me till 2014 FA Cup against Hull to witness for me it, to yeah. actually see Arsenal lift the trophy and live and actually enjoy that experience. It's it's yeah. a weird kind of difference. You're right. Yeah, and that's I, I, the reason why I kind of talk around this is just like 
the expectations of the club and all this kind of stuff. And it, it differs through the ages in our fan base, for sure. Like my expectations for a while were high because they were set high. Now I've had to rein, you know, I've had to train myself to rein them back uh, just over the last five, six years because we haven't been that great. Whereas your expectations might have been a bit different, maybe. Um, not, not probably as drastic, but, you know, you wanted to, everybody wants us to win. I think that's what we're trying to say. But it's just, I, when I was going the most, we were winning. We were invincible. We were winning cups basically every season, if not every other season. We were always at the top. It, was, it just became kind of arrogantly, I guess, kind of so, but it just kind of became that's what we expected. And then it, it kind of went down the drain. <laughs> As we as we know, <laughs> as we know, yeah. yeah. So look, enough of the uh, the history lesson and enough of the ball fest for our listeners. Let's get into the juicy stuff, or dare I call it juicy, when you draw one one away against Burnley. I guess I'll, I'll let you kind of give a, a little summary of what you thought of the game. Um, I mean, look, there's a few things we're definitely going to have to come and t- you know talk about, and that's. You know, I think we can have a look at the lineup. And there's a few surprises in there for sure. We can talk about the overall showing. There's the obvious things we need to kind of look at. You know, Xhaka's mistake. Was it just Xhaka's mistake? We can definitely come on to that. Uh, Pepe's influence on the game when he came on and his miss. And to be honest, the one that I'm kind of getting a bit bored of talking about, but we need to keep talking about it. I think we spoke about it on one of the first pods you joined us on. Um, I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we'll, we'll we'll come on to these bits, but bit by bit. But overall, how do, how did you kind of feel after the game? Um, Other than the obvious, pure bloody yeah, rain. yeah. So it's kind of skirting around the edges of what happened. I guess if I look at it in an isolate from a from a point of isolation, it's kind of just is one of those games. You know, when you look back on a season, and every now and then, whatever we were just saying about the title winning sides in the 90s and, and whatnot. I'm sure you'd look back through the seasons and go, there were just one or two of those games where it doesn't matter what you do, it ain't happening. Ball ain't going in the net. You ain't getting three points. Just doesn't sort of go for you. And yeah, is that, we could talk about, as we say in the final details, of it, is that us? Is that VAR? Is that something else? But if I looked at back on the season after in five years' time, if again, it's all ifs and a lot of ifs and a lot of buts, but you would normally look at this sort of game in isolation as a one of them ones that it just didn't happen for you on the day. And I guess I was more ticked off that this has happened to us so many times throughout the season more than mm. it happened this time, if, if that makes any sense. It kind of does make sense, yeah. I mean, one of the, the overriding feelings I had coming out of the back of this game was it was quite familiar. And I, mm. not this season, but definitely since we turned that corner, you know, after Christmas, there's been a few games recently where you come out of it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a few examples. I think the, the Wolves game was definitely one. Around that period, there's a few results we didn't quite go our way where we didn't play badly. So it wasn't like, you know, before Christmas, I, just, I was just watching our team just be incredibly poor in every aspect, whether that was defensively. Well, I said, take that back. Defensively this season, we were pretty good. Uh, but particularly going forward, we were awful to watch. We just weren't a great side to watch. So when you you lost another game, you were just... It was more upsetting. I think that's how I kind of felt watching that, that run of results. But 
after this game, I had that similar feeling like I had to some of the other results there lately. And it was, I don't really know how to feel. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. I don't know. It's definitely not because I've lost the passion towards the game. Look, I had the obvious annoyance because of the, the obvious penalty that we should have had. But I didn't, I wasn't overly disappointed. You know, I was disappointed that we didn't win, but I thought our performance overall on the day was pretty good. Um, and there's been a few games like that where we just, like you said, we just didn't matter what we did. The ball wasn't going in the net. We played well enough to win the game. Um, and look, the, I just think the bar got set so low by the team earlier in the season that uh, am, am I being too kind on them as a team? Should I, again, going back to what we're talking about just now about expectations, should I expect more from this side? I don't know. All I do know is, is that the performances have got better. But, you know, and again, we were talking about this just before we came on. We're still 10th. Yeah, I just feel like we've been, you know, bang average, floating around the mid-table for a long time. Even though our performances have got better, our results overall just haven't. And we are literally the definition of bang average at the minute. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think it probably also helps that, or, or doesn't help rather, that not knowing how to feel is also kind of, you don't know whether you should feel aggrieved at the result because of our own mistakes or mm. because of a refereeing mistake. Like Because both are in there, both are true, but you don't know which one weights heavier than the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I'm kind of caught on the fence, but my overriding thing is, more not this game itself but more that it's happened again where mm. we've i've just looked through the previous uh our most recent results uh against burnley the goal we give away uh, our error same yeah. with leicester in the last game game before that has been fiku you could argue both were kind of our error cheap free kick even though it's a yeah. well yeah. arguably yeah man city we gave that one away benfica's a penalty leeds we were four nil up and just Switched off. Villa gave it away. Wolves gave it away. So as I'm literally going back through, and that's to the thirty, uh, the second of February. So yeah. it's 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 true that we're getting we're shooting ourselves in the foot, mm. but it's also true that we're getting really harshly punished either by opposing teams or by referees yeah. for those mistakes. It's hard to know how to feel about that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think you've really hit this. That's basically what I was trying to trying to get out. Is that if you look at that, those run of results, it's look, you can be angry at individuals, right? Like you could, if you really want, you could be. It won't take people much, let's be honest, but you can be really pissed off at Granite Xhaka on Saturday. Um, I think there's more in it than just Xhaka. Uh, I think Leno shouldn't even be playing it to him there. To be honest with you, you play in goal. Um, I've played in goal. If if my defense, you know, if our defender has got two opposition players one's up his ass one's not far away from him you know you shouldn't no matter what your manager tells you sometimes common sense should kick in and go this isn't the time to play out from the back maybe I should go long here I look Jacques's mistake is his mistake and he you know fair play to him he came out and held his hands up afterwards which is exactly what you'd want to see but yeah I, Leno shouldn't be playing the ball to him there at all so <sighs> Look back back to the initial, you know, the starting aspect of this game is how did you feel about the lineup going into this? Um was there any surprises other than Chambers, which I think probably surprised most of us? Uh which certainly surprised me. How did you feel about that lineup? Uh I was largely fine with it, to be honest. I don't worry about the lineups 
too much anymore. I mean, whatever you might think of, I don't know, Willian, for example, whether you want Pepe yeah. in there, that's one player out of 11. Like, there's 10 others that you're largely happy with. So it never bothers me. And Willian had a really good game against Leicester recently. And uh, I keep getting the mickey taken out of me over on uh, the other podcast that I do for saying that I apparently I'm a Willian lover now. But I, I can't help it. Willian had a good game against Leicester. So I wasn't bothered by him starting. No. You could see it happening. You could see that happen. I think I yeah. said it to, to Steve after in the last podcast. I said, look, I think that performance and his substitute performance when he came on the game before as well, he looked okay. He wasn't, you know, I think, again, he's another person or individual which has set the bar so low that you don't really know, you know, if he's overperforming or he's just looking better than being really shit, which isn't hard. Um, but no, I, I said it to Steve. I said, I could see William starting against Burnley. I wouldn't be for it. It's still not for me. Um, but you could more, you could appreciate it more if he did start against Burnley, and he did. Yeah, I'd be more worried if he started against Spurs on, on Sunday, for example. Like, against Burnley, a game we should win when we've got 10 other very good players out there on the pitch as well. And yeah. William was good. We, we I don't think, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but everyone else I've spoken to, we didn't have any issues with the player signing. We had issues with the contract and how it came about more than anything. Mm. So I had no problems. I, I mean, given yeah, his no. form, I'd be more worried. We, I'm happy using him against the Burnley, with all due respect to Burnley, mm. than I would be against top, uh, Spurs, not only you know top six rival, but our, the, our rivals that we have to win. Like, yeah. There's no arguments. We have to win that game. Yes, so, yeah, William didn't bother me. Yeah, William, yeah, William's one of those he'll, he'll divide opinion for for as long as you want. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like you, like, I think you you really hit the nail on the head. Not many of us at the point of the signing would have had a, a major issue with it. Um, I maybe was a little bit concerned just because of how we've signed people over the last few years, mm-hmm. that age profile, size of the contract, maybe, or the length of it was a little bit of an issue. I just think. You know, we're looking. We were looking for the short-term fix, but in the COVID market, I could kind of see a lot of sense behind it. He knows the Premier League. He's been incredibly underwhelming since he joined. Um, that's nothing to do with the the amount of the time you gave him and a contract. I I think the the performance would have been much the same if he signed a one or a three-year deal. Personally, um, I just think. I think I'm sometimes I'm a bit too optimistic. Steve knows I love to sit on the fence when it comes to a lot of opinions, but you know, the old splinter ass comes into full effect to say the least, but I've got this weird feeling that maybe I'm just delusional. I've lost my mind over the last 12 months, but maybe there's a small chance that we might even ship him on this or next summer. Because he, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I'm near sure he's always indicated his desire to retire in Brazil. Possibly. How old will he be when his contract ends? 34, 35? 35, I think. Thereabouts. Is that long enough for him to still have another year or two in Brazil? Well, I don't know. Like, I, really? Look, we saw that, and this popped up on my, my newsfeed today. There's the, the 54-year-old Japanese chap who came on and made a substitute appearance at the weekend, um, playing his 36th league campaign of his life or something like that so look yeah, I mean, I'd be players happy. go until they're like 40 I mean I just I just don't know the ex-plan I don't mean to bring this over as a, a big willy underpaid because I thought he was no no it wasn't wasn't good he was it was fine but just in terms of how the lineup came out and how it looked 
Mm. Even if you if I forget Willian's there, it's a good team. Yeah, it, Partey's back, Odegaard, Aubameyang, Saka, Tierney's in there. Mm. There's not much to complain about, really. No, there's not. Um, I'm not complaining about that lineup either, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I actually did expect William to, you know, off the back of that good game to start. Um, like you said, there's 10 other fantastic players out there or nine other outfield, you know, good players who we'd expect to go and get a result against a very poor Burnley side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, uh, the one thing that I guess kind of, did, you know, it was obvious for us all to see was, you know, I, I'm not one of these that say, oh, it was too windy, it was too wet, but that pitch, that pitch was absolutely fucking terrible to play football. Yeah, it was. Um there's no words to describe. I mean, there's, it's Burnley's prerogative at the end of the day. We probably mm. should have expected because they're probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something similar every time we go there or every time a Man City go there, not just us. Mm. Um, it, it was dry. I mean, it looked like it hadn't been watered in about a month, let alone just before <laughs> the game. Yeah. Um, it's a soft factor, a factor nonetheless that counts, and I think that draws into the debate over Xhaka's incident shall we say mm. but it, it's I think it's still a soft enough factor that it that it shouldn't cause us enough problems that it doesn't stop us winning the game if that also makes sense it does make sense because both sets of players have to play on the pitch right yeah it's just who's more bad than the other um, but yeah I think that it, I'm near sure they put in extra you know they went around with the forks put in some extra bubbles because it just looked far too consistent throughout the pitch just how bad it was for a Premier League pitch uh, and like you said it's their prerogative if that's what they want to do then then by all means do what do what you got to do to get some points it's, there's no laws to say your pitch has got to be watered or anything like that so I think they just went about their business how they wanted to which they always will hmm. so Lineup aside, um, moving into the you know the first half where you know we started very very brightly, so much so I actually missed the first goal. I should probably just let listeners know um, it was my fiance's birthday on on Saturday. I half watched the game, and to be fair, I think that was a bit of a result because uh, those of us out there who know sometimes to be able to swing to watch a game when it's the other half's birthday, it's pretty much a no go. Uh, but look, COVID world, there's nothing to do on your birthday, so yeah, I filled my boots. As well as I could. What did you make of the uh, the opening exchanges? Uh, yeah, we were largely quite good. We were, I, I mean, the first goal comes about from from party turning, beating that press. William drive more down the middle than it was down the left side. Actually, interestingly, mm. Mm. Uh, and Aubameyang does his it was almost reminded me of uh, Sanchez's goal, Alexis against I uh, can't remember who, but you know where he cut inside and then low kind of quick effort down to the keeper's front post just to try and catch him off guard and Pope mm. nearly got to it but it was it, it was hit hard right. enough for Pope to not get down quickly enough a good finish yeah it was a decent finish wasn't it it was one of those where look again as ex-goalkeepers you're never happy being beaten at your near post but you know it's the way he takes the strike so quickly and I think <laughs> 99.9% of us when watching that live just expected him to try and do his thing that he's done quite a few times and that's just bend it into that far corner we see him do it in the community shield we've seen him do it against Fulham there's obviously been a few others along the way that are quite similar so look uh, I, in that kind of situation yeah he caught it very well uh, and the power deceived the keeper as well as the effort itself uh, going that side so great start um 
it's funny because when I say great start, and I don't know whether you've ever had this feeling, I definitely have over a number of years. And I know this is going to sound pretty, pretty crazy because it's, you know, when you use a phrase, a number of years, that means there's been a lot of different personnel in our side. I have this kind of inherent weirdness that if Arsenal start a game really well, we tail off. But if we start yeah. poorly, usually we become a bit better. Uh, it might sound quite obvious to people because if you start high, the only way is to come down, right? If you start low, the only way is to go up. But I just find results-wise as well, like that's kind of how it goes. Not all the time, obviously, but it's just a feeling that I've had. Have you, do you ever get any of these as a fan yourself, Liam, where you just, things become a little bit familiar. You're like, I've seen this before. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I don't remember it during the Wenger era. But I remember it vividly because probably because it was so obvious that it started under Emery mm. when, you know, I think it took us uh, what something like 20 odd games to even go in the, into halftime a goal up. We yeah. could not lead at halftime to save our lives. And that's when it became obvious and that we only mm. really had a half a football in us. Yeah, I do think that's improved under Arteta, but I don't know if it's a fitness issue, if it's a concentration, if it's just what happens to play out every time. I don't know if other teams do it even, but I know mm. with Arsenal, it looks like we only have a half of football in us or maybe 60 minutes of football in us. Mm. Yeah, because there's, you know, just speaking of that, that bit, you're, you know, the point you just raised there around whether we've only got a half or 60 minutes, is there anything more annoying than watching your team who's played pretty slowly? We do this a lot, by the way. Played pretty slowly or within ourselves for 80 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, when they need to go and do something, i.e. get an equaliser or, you know, winner, you see this frantic pace and you just sit there and you're just like, why the fuck could you not do this for minute one? Yeah, you have a better chance of doing it, scoring a goal if you're doing it for 15 minutes rather than 10, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I think it is a thing that's easier said than done because mm. at the end of the day, 90 minutes of football, is a, is a long game. Um, mm. It's very tough to ask your players. I, I mean, I coach here where we've got rolling substitutions. I can take people off as and when they uh, fit and unfit. Happy days. I, I know these guys are pro professionals, but it's quite a long game of 90, uh, of 90 minutes of football. And mm. it's quite intense. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's quite as easy as going, well, why don't we go hammer and tongue at it for, for 20 minutes instead of 10? Mm. But, it does make you think if we could have at least been more efficient um, because we were really struggling to get out. Um, I know I'm jumping a bit to the second half, but we were really struggling to get out and actually get somewhere near their final third. And mm. I do wonder, even if we didn't go at them so uh, aggressively, could we have done it more efficiently? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think being efficient with the football is it's one of the things we don't do. Sometimes I feel like we take too long. Um, yeah. To do what we need that's to always. do. You know, our progression, I think that's one thing that Thomas Partey has definitely brought to our game. He showed that for the for the first goal, actually. Or I say the first goal is the only fucking goal. Uh, but he showed, you know, you know, Jacques is telling him to play backwards. I don't think he did. He ended up playing a forward pass. Um, and it's those sorts of decisions that we definitely need. Um, you know, on the pitch, it's people, do, you know, me and Steve have spoken about I think we've probably spoken about it. We need players who are not afraid to take, or not adverse to take risks in a game um, for the, for the, for the potential output. You know what I mean? We want to see the team take 
responsibility and take a game by the scruff um, and take it to the opposition. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at, really. It's the, yeah, we know you can do it, but what is it about, especially when you're, you know, a goal down or if it's one or, I mean, we saw that end of that game was pretty frantic. It could have been like that a little bit earlier. Um, whether that was, did, you know, the substitutions were they made too late? Again, that's always up for debate, isn't it? I think substitutions is another one that really divides opinion. Yeah, the interesting thing as well is it didn't really come from a sub. It wasn't like we made a sub, Pepe's come on. I'm just using Pepe as an example. It's not like Pepe's come on and then it's from then on that we've started to really apply the pressure and everything's clicking again more for us. Mm. It was, I don't even quite know what that moment was, but there was just after know, 80 minutes or so where we just went up it again. Mm. I wonder how much mindset... The other thing I wanted to add on is I don't know how much mindset comes into it just because, like, when, when something like that happens, again, for, like, not even just the second or third time, but, like, the fifth or sixth time in the season, mm. we as fans go, oh, for fuck's sakes, really? World's against us. Imagine how the players feel on that pitch going, we've got to do it again. And I wonder how much of that is... Because we've always had a question mark over mental strength in this squad yeah. I think some of that's been answered but it does make make you wonder probably it's probably a tough thing as well but it does make you wonder how well can we cope with adversity when things don't go our way mm. um I, I wondered if that was another facet to it I don't really know it's a bit of a guess but I, I think it might be hard to play through yeah mentality has always been a massive aspect of the game um it's something I talk about quite, I'm just going to sound ridiculous, but a lot of lads out there will talk to their missus about football, whether they want to hear it or not. I know I do. <laughs> I know that it's generally a one-way Likewise. conversation. But one thing that, you know, we've watched a few documentaries there. You know, we all watched The Last Dance, right? And I, I'm going off on a bit of a piece here, but, you know, that whole documentary is surrounded around, let's be perfectly honest, a great team, but a very special individual who had... <sighs> You know, his mentality was just on a, in a different stratosphere, let alone in the same, you know, in, in, in the same breath as anybody else. But what I'm trying to say, and a lot, my, my missus would turn around to me and she'd be like, you know, what do you think of Michael Jordan or top athletes? Like, she'd be like, oh, I hate Ronaldo. He just seems like such an arrogant prick. And I was like, right, okay, let me try and explain to you. <laughs> you know, not in a, <laughs> not in a demeaning way or anything, but... I just think that any top athlete, if you want to get to the top of the top, right? You're talking your MJs, you're talking Ronaldo's, you're talking Maradona's. Lots of that spanning so many different decades, right? All of these players have to have, you want to get to the very top, you need an element of arrogance in you to, to get there because you've got to believe in yourself. As much as I believe it's a team sport, yes, you're telling me that these, you know, having these individuals in that team. It, it drags you along. Like Jordan was renowned for it. People hated him. But it was only after they finished their career that they can look back and then be like, yeah, this guy pushed himself, me, the team to the limit. It's that, do you know what it actually boils down to when I think about it? It's leadership. Mm. Bottom line. You have to be willing. Yeah. Leadership. You have to be willing to take the, the, take the team as a collective and go, yeah, the heads don't go down. Yeah, the shit's mm. against us. But, you know, mm. we've scored once. That means we can score. It's not impossible to score against this team. Let's just do it again. 
Mm. Um, it's those sorts of players in Eden team. I've, I don't know how many we have in them. And um, I think we need the players to be able to turn those sorts of situations around. Like take Xhaka, for example, and I guess this will lead into the debate a bit. Yeah. Um, but he goes into a sort of default mode. When something goes against him, he goes, well, I better look after myself here. I need to go into my default, which is yeah. play it safe, play the way I'm facing, back to Leno, back to Louise, back to Mari, mm. and not can I find an outball to Tierney? Can I make a switch to Saka on a diagonal? Mm. You know, those sorts of things that I don't think in him by default. When mm. things go against him, he'll revert to his usual safe mode, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, just before we, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more with you on Shaka, to be honest, just before we come on to that mistake. Um, we, you know, you look at that team, though, I don't think we've got any of those individuals, right, that are going to take us on and G up the team. And, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about it with you here, the only thing I can kind of think of is years gone by, like, you know, I remember if the team ever went behind or there was a bad decision against us, it would be Tony Adams was the guy, you know, geeing up the team. That was followed by Patrick Vieira coming on very similar mentalities, um, would drag a team through certain situations, G everybody up, would argue with any, anybody about anything, you know, to, to, you know, support his side. And I just think, is it just a societal kind of shift? Maybe that is gone in sport. Maybe, maybe like for me and my, at my age, I'm in that real hybrid era where, you know, I remember the old school, but I can appreciate the new school at the same time. And it's a case of you don't really see it anymore. You don't really see players as passionate as they were. You don't see players bollock, like bollocking each other on the pitch anymore. Um, so look, maybe what I'm looking for there, or maybe even as a fan base, are we just, are we going to see that again? Or is that just something that doesn't really exist? Is it, is the game just so, you know, become so modernised and different in the way society's evolved? Is it, maybe we're not going to see those characters again, you know? Uh, I don't know. It probably warrants a larger discussion. There could probably be a podcast on its own, but yeah. it's not something I've thought about, if I'm honest. Possibly, though, possibly. Cool. On that then, Granit Xhaka, how do you stand on, on the goal that we conceded against Burnley yeah. on Saturday? Okay, so, so listeners, I just I just have to point out <laughs> Liam's just rubbed his face, leaned back in his chair, and rolled his eyes. Uh, so I'm going, oh happy. fuck. Okay, so it's there's kind of two bits to it. So the obvious discussion is not just Shaka, but Leno is, is in here somewhere. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, yeah. Well, you did yourself. Mm. Um, so I see Leno has made a very minor and a very very minor mistake, and Jack has made the ultimate big fuck-up that cannot be excused um, is sort of the summary. So going into more detail, you, you were right what you were saying earlier. Leno should have just, could he have just smacked it clear? And that's a really simple way of getting rid of the ball. Yeah. And that boils down to game recognition is when you're there in that spot and you're sort of facing Xhaka exactly like you said, Mm. He must see that there are players around and it's not just Burnley are pressing, but they're pressing higher than they had been with an extra play or two as opposed to five minutes ago when he last tried to play out. So he has to recognise that situation and make a decision off of that. Now, the decision he's gone with is still to go with Xhaka. And the next actually facet, I think, that doesn't help Xhaka, not as an excuse, but it doesn't help him, 
is he's mm. played it onto his weak foot. Yes. Now we every every fan knows that Xhaka doesn't have a right foot. So no. if we know it, you bet Leno knows. So Leno has to a goalkeeper and a professional footballer will know. Mm. Even I know with my own teammates that I know who's right and left footed. So I know if I'm passing to him, I know where what sort of angle to give it to them and Leno gets that wrong now that doesn't excuse Xhaka because what Xhaka does is he takes a touch partly in course because of the, the fucking pitch. state of the pitch yeah um but he still looks at Wood for about a second a full second and then goes fuck it you can have it anyway and he mm. gets the chip he gets the technique on that chip wrong so badly I mean really badly it's not even it's meant he needs to chip it and he's sort of gone for this half not quite a chip but not a, a flat ball like over a, his head like a it's like the golf wedge chip you know out of the sand yeah That's what I'm kind of is that yeah I know what you mean it's, it's kind just, of it looks half a, yeah and if he's, if he's able to take it first time, he probably just overhits it into the space behind Chris Woods where Chambers is standing, party's there for support, and Saka's probably dropped, I don't know, because he's off camp. Mm. So that's a massive error. He cannot be excused for that. Mm. And if it doesn't happen, that the little mistake that Leno makes is something that he probably gets in a data packet at the end of the game. The mm. goalkeeper coach will look at him and go, yeah, in this situation, you know, it was fine. We didn't concede, nothing happened. But just recognise that there was an extra player or two lump it yeah. in that situation. And nothing more is said about it. And I, yeah. so I don't think it needs to be said more. Well, maybe you can because we conceded. But I think that's as far as it goes for Leno. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think... Look, we all know what we get with Granit Xhaka. We, he's been at the club long enough. Um, to be honest with you... Uh, he gets a bit of leeway from me with this one, mainly, again, because my expectations of the season are just out the window when it comes to the Premier League, especially after this result. I just think we've just got to accept that, look, it's still math. Look, I'm always one of these, as long as it's mathematically possible, look, let's not get stupid about it, but let's be realistic. Europe's still a possibility. Crazy to say that. Champions League, I can't believe we're 10 points behind West Ham. That hurts, by the way. Going back to your conversation, yep. I bet that hurts you too. Oh, <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> but you know, Europe's potentially still on, and I just, I, you know, want to see the club fight till it's really, really not possible. Um, I but think... I mean, I think he's been so. Actually, no, I'm going to stop myself there. He hasn't been so good. He's been pretty decent this season overall, Granit Xhaka, in my opinion. He's looked a lot better. When he plays alongside alongside someone the quality who's got the quality of um, Thomas Partey, but I've just come to the point where as long as he's at the club, you'll get nine good games, and then you'll get one where he'll he'll do what he did on Saturday, um, and that, that that until he's gone, that will just keep happening. I mean, he must be a good player, right? He's I think matches and. They all pick him, but sorry, yeah, you, you think what, Liam, sorry? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my problem with him, though, because good players don't make mistakes every nine games. Mm. Like, I mean, how, I mean, Alisson, right, I don't rate him as the best keeper in the league. He's made mm. some glaring errors, but he's probably yeah. made three in an entire season, and that's a bad season for him. Jack makes several 
the season and he makes these rash decisions and these poor... I think he's... I saw his stat the other day. I can't remember the number, but he's made more errors leading to goal than any other outfield player in the league since he joined us. You can't have that at Arsenal. You can't. Like, and I've seen this... This is, again, going... Feeds back to the overall perspective of the game. We've been here before. Mm. Like, my problem with Xhaka is that yeah, when he makes a mistake, he'll come and he'll play an eight or nine out of ten game. Then he'll put several six or seven out of ten games where he looks quite good. He does the right things, but doesn't actually contribute anything of note. Mm. Albeit, I think he's been a bit better recently um, with the sort of defensive interventions he's been making. So I'll give him credit there. Um, but the general theme is that he comes back, he plays a worldie to show everyone, hey, I'm a good footballer. Yeah. Plays seven out of tens and sort of coasts it a little bit. Not all yeah. the time, but he does coast it a bit. Yeah. And then he'll go and screw up and they will repeat. And that's my problem. Good players don't do that. How many players have we ever had that make that many mistakes? Like, you just we just don't. So yeah. That's my problem. For we, we've got to move on. From, he might play nicely. That's why I bit my tongue when everyone was saying he was playing so well. He's a great player. I was like, yeah, I know he's a good player. He didn't show up enough and he'll make the same mistake again. And I hate to be proven right, not that I ever said it out loud, but there we go. Yeah, no, I think we we all kind of, I can, again, I I can't disagree with anything you're saying. To be honest with you, here we go, look, I I sit on the fence when it comes to the fans' opinion on Granite Jack because I can get both sides of the argument, 100%. Like, he can be a good player. He's not consistent enough to be a top player for Arsenal Football Club. And if, if you've got someone like him, and let's be honest with you, before this summer, he was one of our, Jesus Christ, he was probably one of our better centre midfield players over the last number of years. And if that's what you're relying on, it's no surprise that we've ended up where we are. Um, but that's not a good thing. If he's been one of our better players, that's exactly. not necessarily a good thing either. No, it's, I mean, that's yeah. just, that's my problem. That's where I come from, is if he didn't make these brain-dead, shit-for-brains errors. I love him as a player because he can pass a ball really well and especially recently, it's been more obvious to me, but he yeah. really knows how to get in the way of a, a of somebody. Bring, it doesn't always bring them down, but like, how many times has he stopped somebody going through on goal and just nicked the ball from him? And yeah, he's done that the, well recently. That's something I've really yeah. noticed in his game recently. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and he, if he does all of that stuff, I love him as a footballer, but I yeah. just know that I cannot trust him and he will make the same, he'll, not the same mistake, but he'll make a glaring error again. And I, mm. for that reason, I can't trust him and that will, that will cost us far too many points in the season for us to get where we want to. And for me, uh, sorry, I'm sure he's a nice bloke, but you have to move on from Look, him. Liam, it's, it's funny because we live in a world where you've got to say, I'm sorry, I think he's a nice bloke, right? All you've done here is just give a footballer's opinion, a footballing opinion, which is all he mm. wants, by the way. He's clearly come out and said this. Um, and again, I agree with you. I think, do you know what? All these people are human beings. They're just like me and you. They're just lucky enough to kick a football around for a living, mate, because they've got a bit of quality. Um, yeah, I think you're right. We're never going to push on. We've always known what we got with Xhaka. My biggest problem for him, um, by the way, I need to come, remind me to come back. There's a question I have for you. Just okay. remind me of this question because it's quite, it makes me laugh. Um, my problem with the, the likes of Granite Xhaka is there's a lot of ability there, but I do think in top flight football, especially in the Premier League, if you don't have pace as an attribute in your repertoire, you're going to struggle in top flight. There'll be a few out there who can read the game incredibly well and get away with it. 
But I just think the game's so quick. He just looks like he's running through mud. I know it sounds ridiculous because pitches are made of mud, but he looks like he's running through heavy mud <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, I, I, I just think that's a big issue. For someone who plays centre mid, needs to cover a lot of ground. It's not what he's good at. He's terrible at it. The more ground you yeah. make him cover, the worse he becomes. Um, but look, that's that's just how I feel about Zaka. It's just one of those things where I rolled my eyes. It happened. It happens with him. We know it. What am I ultimately pissed off about? And like it just again, it's just one of those sort of situations. And to be fair, we had a whole second half, and I, I thought we played well enough during that first half. I think I didn't worry about it. I'm sure a lot of us didn't. It was like, oh fucking hell, not again. But look, it's half time. Look, we'll come back out. We'll we'll take it to Burnley and we'll we'll kill it off in the second half. But anyway, that aside, my question was, and what made me laugh is this is clearly one of your favourite expressions to uh, to uh, you know give your opinion on footballers, and that's shit for brains. You've used this yeah. before. Who's got worse shit for brains? I think I know the answer. Danny Ceballos or Granny Uh ooh, it's a tough one. Really thinking about that. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the answer you expect, but I'm gonna go Ceballos. No, I didn't. Honestly. Well, to be honest, I think you... Shaka has it in there. I think when when Jack is stressed, I think that's mm. when he makes the shit for brains moment decisions. Yeah. When he goes, oh, I've got to run over and make a slide tackle. No, you don't. You've got to set off again. Yeah. <laughs> that's the moment to worry about. Um, but that's in the stress mode. With Ceballos, mm. there's it under pressure and not under pressure. So, I, And I think Ceballos has a lot of ability and doesn't quite have the brains to know what to do with that ability, whereas Jack does at least somewhat use his brain yeah. to, to play some some very neat um do some do some neat stuff read read the game like the interceptions just mentioned where someone yeah. tries to knock and run that yeah. takes brains to know where they're going and where i should be and where to and when to put my leg out to stop that ball hmm. that that's intelligent yeah. um i just i, I would say sabios well, there we go I, I just had to ask you that because i know you love using that expression <laughs> for us yeah from fielders. So there's too I mean, many of them. What else can we cover in the game? I don't think there's... I mean, look, the second half for me, we've kind of touched on it already. We really ramped it up at the end and Pepe had a, had a good chance. I mean, look, before we kind of tie things up, I think we do need to quickly just, again, just talk about VAR. And it's... I don't know how you... I mean, look, I actually know. I don't even need to ask you to know. I know how you felt. I know how every one of us felt, you know, when watching the game or even if you saw it afterwards, I remember seeing it happen because there were two quick shouts there in succession, if you remember. The first one you knew was yeah. basically calling bullshit, uh, to be fair. But the second one was Stonewall. And you were just waiting because you saw the replay and then you knew it was going to VAR, but the game didn't stop for a while. That worried me, by the way. And I'd love... Yeah. Uh, there's no way to prove this, but I remember thinking at the time, and I've thought this a few times, whether I'm watching the neutral game, I was like... That game stopped now, and then it went to VAR. You might have got a different yep. outcome than the because the game went on for a good few minutes before we eventually because it the game you know the ball didn't go out of play there were no you know, there's no breaks in the play it just kept flowing, and then it was just a casual that's been reviewed no more and I was just like how the fuck have you looked at that if you've looked at the same things that we've looked at at home and not gone well that's a fucking handball. Like it, it, it's just baffling, to be honest with you. And 
what annoys me the most is just, we spoke about this before. I'm not saying there's an agenda against our club at all. Because I think the only reason is I'm sure these happen up and down the country every week. It's just, I watch Arsenal more than I watch anybody else, obviously. Um, we spoke about the standard of officiating. It's shocking. And the, the, the bit that, X, I don't know, obviously what channel you watched it on, but I was watching BT and, the, they, you know, they have their ex-referee to give a, an expert opinion, and he said it was a penalty. And this is the it bit is that Peter Walton, me. though. Hmm? It is Peter Walton, though. Don't forget. I don't look to be honest with you. I'm not on name basis <laughs> with, with most referees, let alone the old ones. But I don't know. It's, it's just it's, it happens a lot, don't it, to us? To be honest, whether it's against yeah. us for sending offs or decisions going against us, or if it's just decisions that should be going for us, they're also going against this. And ah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with the with the angle of that it stayed in play. Because I think that gives them a really convenient excuse not to not to overturn it. Because I wouldn't be surprised if that if that ball had just been if whoever picks up the ball just goes, fuck it, cunts it out of play and then goes, look at that again. I bet we get it. But because it goes on, I wonder if they'd... Okay, so if they'd have counted it out of the play and gone, look at that again, I'll bet you any money that VAR would have told him, hmm, we think there's an error, go, go check the monitor. The yeah. But the referee, I reckon they've got a really good get-out-of-jail-free card by going, nah, we checked it, not enough. But they're not going to tell the referee to stop the game, go and check the monitor, and then worry, risk looking like idiots if he goes... Now it's not a penalty because then how do you restart the game? Yeah, I wonder if that's the angle they ended up coming from, and they just use it as a it's a shit one. But it's a really convenient get out of jail free card mm. for them. Yeah, no, it is a. You're right. I think that's a really good way to put it. It's to get out a free jail card, and it's not often this kind of situation happens as well. To be honest with you, I've I think I've no. again look. I'm not watching as much neutral football as I normally would because I just. I find the soul of you know the crowd not being at games it makes it a lot harder to watch but there was another game where this kind of thing happened the play just went on but then the play got stopped because there was an there was an error they could have done that i mean the thing is though it wasn't yeah, as if it was done. like it wasn't a debatable it really really wasn't a debatable no. shout it's anybody with a pair of fucking eyes who was looking at that yeah who was an you know an official or not should be able to go yeah his hand has stopped the ball going where it wants. Pepe's through. He's round him. Look, it's not a clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity by any stretch of the imagination, but what should the result it should have been? And that's a fucking penalty. Um, it's just infuriating. Yeah, uh, the other... yeah the, the only thing I wanted to add on to that is that also because the ball's in play, you can't hound the ref. Like, how many times do referees get hounded and everyone screams for a penalty? And that's 100%. when they went. Oh, we might have made an error. But because the ball's in play, you're busy trying to go, we can't let them in at the other end because we're busy yeah, shouting at a referee. Yeah. Yeah. No. And not that we do it much anyway, but because the ball's in play, you can't surround the referee. So the mm. referee goes, oh, they're not complaining too much. They don't think it's a penalty, so I'm not going to bother to put much effort into checking it. Like, uh, yeah. Whether that's the mindset they go through, I don't know. If that is any kind of facet to it, it's bollocks. Mm. Um, it should really have got it right but it's just yeah just such a convenient excuse I think you're absolutely spot on that if the ball had gone out of play I think we're 99% more likely to get that penalty which is 
fucking mental when you say it out out loud. It's wrong. I thought yeah. it at the time. You're the first person I've actually said it to, so thanks for agreeing with me. That makes me feel great. Uh, <laughs> I said it in a group chat as well. Okay, look, we're, we're like-minded. I like this. But yeah, it's just one of those, like, how the fuck can we get rid of this issue? Because it's not just for us. It's, it's for everybody in the league, right? Anybody at top flight level. You want to see good officiating, which makes the game better. And do you know what really hit home earlier? I don't know if you might have seen this. I was just browsing through some shite on Instagram as you do. And someone said, just imagine that Sergio Aguero goal. I don't even have to mention which one it is. And you know which one I'm going to start talking about. Imagine. Yeah. It had to be a VAR check. Yeah. Imagine. You're telling me that's for oh, the best. No. That was the most, that hit home more than anything. Because I was like, that's not even my club. But I think we can all appreciate football, you know, amazing footballing moments. Like I still watch that Aguero moment. That, that gives me goosebumps because as a pure football moment, it's it's up there with us. I, you know, both of us won't remember, but 89. It was sit up there. It's so really hard to, yeah. But imagine so VAR was around. Just imagine that that had to go to a check for whatever reason. That's just, the, the, I don't know, I just think it's draining the life, draining the life out of the game. Because um, I've said this a few times now, I, there's a lot of goals, mate, I don't know, I don't celebrate them, mate. Because I'm too busy going, fuck, is this going to go to VAR? Is the line of flag up? Linesman's not putting their flags up quick enough, doing my head in. They, they, they really need, I think we spoke about this, they need to come up with a better oh, way nice to do uh, offside. Um, because it's, and what I mean by that is basically eradicate the linesman's job to do so uh, and bring in technology to do that too. But look, yeah. Yeah, sorry, you go there. You, you can add to that as well because it's, I get really angry actually. That's unlike me. Yeah, on, honestly, you're actually, I think you're spot on. Um, there are so many problems with VAR. I, I, I want VAR because in the sense, it was brought in because the referee missed something because referees don't have 360 degree field of vision, right? Mm-hmm. But if they've got a camera to help them look at it again and then correct their mistake, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Problem is we're not using it that way. We're using it for all sorts of other different rubbish. And you yeah. just think, just let the ref, just give the referee a chance to go over his decision and sort it. That doesn't improve the things that we were just talking about as in what happens if the ball stays in play. Referee can't just go off and let them do their thing and check it. Mm. Um, but, but there yeah, has I to agree be a better you. way than this. Just on that point, though, I do agree with you, but there's a bloke sat in a studio who's not yeah. at the game. He's got the time to go. And you, you mentioned the word trust in football. There needs to be trust in, you know, in football in general. That's at player level, that's officiating level, because I'm sorry, but I know you're the referee of the game. Right, and your decision is final, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if a bloke is watching it on a monitor, he's seen a replay five times, and he's gone, "Yeah, I think you've missed that. That's a penalty." They've got to have more authority to be able to make those calls. Yeah, yeah but, um, look, I, I, is horrendous. Yeah, it really is. But look, I think on that bombshell, as Jeremy Clarkson used to say, it's time to end the show um, because. It's, it's just very, very frustrating the more I talk about VAR and obviously how it goes against us, but also how it is, it's ruining the, the natural beauty of football and the romantic side of the game. Um, you know, we always used to debate these decisions after. We still debate them exactly like we used to. So what have we actually gained, really? Other than you get... There are, look, there are some good aspects to VAR, do not get me wrong. Um, I mean, look, we saw the good side of it. I know it went against us, but we did see the good side of yeah. it where... 
their the penalty and their mm. red card was overturned. If that was it, us, that's exactly what I'd want to see. So that's fine. But I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, VAR is just one of those that until it's really, really improved, we're just going to keep having the same issues. So mm. on that note, Liam, I think we'll call it a day. Um, I think we'll be back. Hopefully you're going to, you're going to join us after the doubleheader. We've obviously got Olympiacos away tomorrow evening. Uh, and then obviously the North London Derby on Super Sunday. Um, I think myself... Is remain Steve, super. Oh, yeah, it could be a fucking shit Sunday, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> the way they, they, find, <laughs> they found their feet again the last few weeks. Typical. But um, yeah. we'll be back, obviously, after, after those games. Uh, hopefully to record on Sunday evening if you're around. But look, if you stayed with this long, uh, we really appreciate you joining us and, and taking the time to listen to the show. Uh, if you want to follow any of our useless opinions, you can do so on Twitter. You can follow Steve, who isn't here. He's at in the clock end. You can follow myself, Kelvin. I am at underscore the arse underscore. And you can follow Liam at Groninguna. If you want to do a Dutch pronunciation of that, please feel free. I'd rather not. It just confuses everyone. Groninguna, easy enough. <laughs> Groninguna, yeah. But look, we'll be back either probably on, on Monday uh, for a post, hopefully, North London Derby win podcast. Uh, but look after yourselves, look after each other. Uh, take care. Until then, goodbye.